Waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Drone. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, to this week's episode of Waffle, Chat and Drone. And tonight's discussion topic is that of board games, a subject we know you hold dear, certainly important to us. So, Philip, to start the ball rolling, Philip, what can you tell us about board games? Favourites, issues, those you dislike? Say more. Uh, this is great, yes, because board games are on the rise, aren't they? They've been on the rise for a few years, haven't they? They're really the, uh, they're, there's the computer games and all that, but actually just getting around the table with a bunch of family normally and occasionally other people is very enjoyable. And actually, I was just, I've just got some boxes with me and it takes me right to Christmas Day because we often have, we buy a board game for Christmas, pretty well every Christmas. And we have these, these, these are our sort of equivalents of stockings, but like sacks. And you know there's something big down there because you can see the squared off edges. And all of these, these games are pretty substantial. And it's actually lovely to get them out to discover what new game has come along. So shall I, shall I, choo- shall I choose a game? Shall I choose a game? You rustle in your sack, Philip. This is so, I should tell listeners that Philip has now disappeared from the screen. Very exciting. Very exciting. Can you read that? Ah, oh, camel up, camel, camel. Oh, is it camel yeah. cup? Camel cup. Camel. Well, this this is this is great. This is great. So I see a bit more of the, the the picture, so you could see big camels on there. And so here we are. We're taken to the deserts, the Middle East. And well, I think it's called camel cup, and uh, but others call it camel up. And it won the the big prize, which I'm sure we'll get on to a little bit more about that a few years ago. Uh, and it's 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 a racing game and it's a kind of betting game. And it, it unfolds uh, very quickly in four players or well, I see more than that. I think six players Two no two to eight. I should I should read the I should read the box and your camels race around. And the way it's the way why it's got camel up as well as camel cup is the camels can jump on each other's back. And the highest camel is in the lead. And that is an annoying because you think you're out the front and then the camel hops on top of you and, and uh, it takes over. And you've got various things. Uh, each player has to make a choice of things they're going to do, bet on the race or throw, uh, throw the dice and see how far a camel goes. It's quick. It's fun. Dynamic. And you don't quite know how it's going to unfold. And it can all change pretty quickly. I like it. And what, what's the element of chance on this one, Philip? I think this is a key characteristic. Well, well, the, the, the chance comes in. So firstly, obviously, you've got the, the dice, and so that's a randomness in there. And so you've got uh, is it, um, four, four camels, and you don't know which one's going to get the first uh, move and how far they're going to go. And as I say, you can move forward, and you think you're out the, the front, but another camel can come and jump on your back and be the the uh, up there and then you can interfere with the the smooth running of the race as a player you can put little little uh things on the track that either make a camel hop a bit forward or go backwards uh and that that's the thing and then you then you're trying to work out it does the race takes several legs before you get to the end and you get big prizes if you are you are the first to bet on the winner uh, and also the first to bet on the, the, the last place camel, and you can bet on each leg itself with money and so on. And it's good. It's, it's, it's a lovely mix of things. Try to get that balance right of actually what you're doing, whether you're betting or rolling, is, is key actually to whether you're making any money. And it's very much it's about, it's about making the money. So it's, it's not long. It doesn't take long at all for a game, 20 minutes through the game. And then you probably want to play it again because it's so much fun. So it sounds like a good game, a good after Christmas dinner game. When you all you've watched the Queen's speech, you've had you've had a glass of sherry or two, and you want to sit down and play something that's relatively light, relatively you know, fun, and pretty quick. Something that the kids can enjoy as well. 
Absolutely. You don't have to think too much. You know, you've, and you've and it's quick. You date your action. Next person does theirs. Next person does theirs. And then it comes. Somebody will say, right, let's roll. And that's the moment. Da, 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 what happens? And you've got this funny pyramid in the in the middle where where actually the dice are. You have to sort of turn it upside down. It's got a little elasticated mechanism. And you, you, you shake it up and then you turn it upside down and press the, the release button. And then you don't know what's going to come out. Then you lift it up and ta-da, it's the blue and it's going three places. <laughs> ta-da. That's, that's great. Yeah. What would what would what would one expect to pay for camel camel cup, camel up camel up or camel cup? Who knows camel cup camel up? Your typical price. They're they're all much of a bunch much of a muchness, aren't they? What are they thirty thirty five? That's the typical kind of price. I haven't looked it up recently, but I think those board games tend to be in that kind of part part, don't they? So I guess the race game is a particular genre. Andrew, where where will you take us on this this endeavour tonight? So I'm gonna I'm gonna my first one. I'm gonna pick something fairly traditional. And we like it because there's less luck. I mean, there's a bit of luck, but it's not really luck. And it's fairly easy. And everybody knows it. I think it's one of the biggest selling games of all time. And it's Cluedo. And we, we, Ooh, we love it. you like a, Cluedo. Family game. Because every game is different. Okay, the board is the same. But you move your little piece around. And you really feel like you're, you're being Sherlock Holmes <sighs> or Inspector Clouseau. And you're going around mm. and, and trying to work out who did the murder and where and, oh. and, and, and how. It's just a really easy game to pick up but you have to think about it so it's got a little bit of depth to it a little bit of strategy oh i can never fathom it out you know you've got to try and work out all the murder weapon is and who the person what the room is i oh it's too too many too many dimensions to keep in the head i've never worked out how to note down on the paper what you were really learning from each interrogation it's probably not an after christmas lunch game because you do need to you think do need, yeah. a little bit, but not that much. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you get it wrong. It's one of the games that, that we find people just don't get that competitive about. And if somebody guesses and they pull the cards out and they're right, and you haven't won, then people don't seem to mind that much. I mean, we've tried to, we've, but we've we tried to play some of the other classics like Risk and Monopoly. Yes. And you know, your army gets defeated in Kamchatka. Or you land on Mayfair with a hotel, and that's that's real bored in the air type territory. Big family arguments, stomping off out of the room. Whereas Cluedo, we never seem to have that reaction. Risk takes too long. Monopoly takes too long. Well, it's also pure chance, and that's the, it's pure it's pure it's pure chance because they both rely so much on the dice. And Monopoly, in particular, there's one strategy: you land on everything, you buy pretty much everything, you hope you don't land on the other guy's properties, and that's that's pretty much it i mean there's 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 not a lot that you could there's not a lot of strategy involved i think i heard 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 uh someone who may be related to the originator of monopoly i can't can't quite remember but but explained that the way to win a monopoly is to buy as much as you can and then get uh what is it your hotels on one thing and mortgage everything else and just collect on that and that was how to to win it and it, it's a it's a dull strategy it's not not uh... no, and it, and it's 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 a it's a game of of of, of um, humiliation or you know it's it's quite a sadistic game yes. because you're trying to grind yes. the others into the ground until they've got no money they've got yes. no properties so it's quite a you know it's quite a negative game very much like being at work actually same same kind of You know, one interesting characteristic of Cluedo, I think that might be the only board game that was made into a movie. Well, you you, you have us there, Paul. Can you think? Now, that's that's one for our listeners to think about. If if the servers aren't overloaded on the blog there, do listeners please think about it. Can you think of a board game that's been made into a movie? What, do you... You want both of them. You want, <laughs> you want both of them to think of the movie. Well, Paul, you must you must have a board game that you enjoy. Yeah, come on, give us a game, Paul. Well, I'm I'm going to get quite heavy now. Actually, I I I think a board game that I um you know this is a game that you'd play through the night as a student, and actually you you really could develop a burning hatred of what would otherwise be good friends is diplomacy. Now, diplomacy is a um, it's a imagine a map of Europe at the outbreak of the First World War, and you have power in the form of uh, military uh, 
represented by military pieces, naval and army. Uh, and essentially, the, the size of your navy and army is determined by the amount of land you possess. And you play this game by, through purely through persuasion. So you form alliances, um, you isolate people. You you know how the United Kingdom is in the Brexit negotiations. That's how not to play diplomacy. Okay, but it's a game that can take it could take days, weeks, uh, go on and on and on. And I I don't know what's become of it. It was very big some years ago. I saw it then. There's a company called Gibson's Games, isn't there? I don't know if they're still going. They they took it on, I think. So it was it was at the serious end of the board game market. But great game. But a game, one of those games where you really do um, take the part of of the game, and um, people get very very serious about this. And it's a game that inspires betrayal. You win through betrayal. At you know the last moment, you decide that you won't support person X with your armies and fleets, mm. and they will, you know, lose a major confrontation on the board. Um, no dice, purely about persuasion, positioning. Um, uh, a game for people with guile and cunning. Mm. Um, remarkable game. So do you weaken? Do you weaken other countries? Then is that, is that? How do you win it? Then you win it by taking over more and more land. Um, until there's a territorial yeah thing. yeah until other people are um uh, eventually overwhelmed and and it is a game of alliances so you you draw people in you generate trust and then you stab them in the back um it's 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 like you you'll be familiar with risk it's kind of like risk for intellectuals really it takes a lot longer um downfalls with the game i think are you know, there was some poor schmuck will be eliminated early. That's a problem with some board games. Um, but more than anything, it, it it becomes so compelling that it goes beyond fun. It does go beyond fun. I, I had a friend, actually, his father was, um, he used to, years ago, was at the MOD, worked in the MOD. And they used diplomas at the MOD to, as a uh, training exercise. Um and I wouldn't be surprised if they do still. It's a remarkable, remarkable game. It really is. Don't sit on the shelves anymore. That was an old Avalon Hill game, wasn't it? Diplomacy. It may well be. I mean, Avalon, I've never... I, I don't think I have any Avalon Hill games, actually. They tend to be quite quite military, don't they? I think. Well, they, 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 they were the king kings of the... Uh historical war game simulations at one yeah. point, weren't they? In the, yeah. in the early late seventies, early eighties they produced Panzer Blitz, Panzer Leader, then Squad Leader and some classic war games. Um and then got sold to, to Hasbro and those sort of games fell out of fashion a little bit. But I'm sure Diplomacy was one of the old AH games. And they produced some amazing games actually. I mean Squad Leader was 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 fantastic as a recreation of in excruciating detail, perhaps too much mm. detail. And it was a monster of a game to learn so many rules, but it was a it was a lovely recreation of sort of squad level combat in World War Two, and it encompassed the entire you know the entire breadth of of all of the operations. So there were there were modules for you know the Far East, for Africa, for Europe, and it's an extraordinary game. I thought it was a good feature of um, Outside, which is the latest addition to my pile. Um, turned up on Friday on your recommendation, Andrew. And something, and I was still getting into it. I can't say I fully understand it yet, but I think, as you said, it's it's a beautifully packaged game. It really is uh, high end of the market. You're talking fifty pounds plus a side. Um, it also um, something really nice about it is the way you're introduced to the game is that you they give you these little prompt cards, so actually you can pretty well play it without reading the full instruction book. And you may you may be familiar with this i've never seen before that you can understand the game through half an hour youtube video oh yes youtube is a is a there's a there's a whole bunch of of channels mm. about board games and quite amusing ones as well and quite well done a couple of lads and so on going through games and summarizing how you play and then giving a bit of uh, uh appreciation of whether they think it's good or bad mm. and so on 
And it's yeah, YouTube is a great teacher, isn't it? If you if you if you you get a new game, you think it's quite complicated. Spend half an hour on YouTube, and you're cracking mm. it. I think the, the 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 production value of some of these games is 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 just amazing oh, these days. Yes. I mean, Psy, yes. the one that Paul's mentioned, is is stunningly beautiful. I mean, all all of there's there's a whole number of encounter cards, for instance, your character draws these cards and has various choices to make, and they're all individually illustrated, and the little pieces, the artwork on the board, are just they're just, they're almost beautiful objects. That, I mean, there's a lot of games that that we've got which are fairly similar games like Agricola and, and Terra Mystica Fresco which is all about mm. the painting of the underside of the, the Sistine Chapel it's just mm. they're just amazingly beautifully illustrated and produced games with high quality components lovely artwork lovely pieces mm. and they're very they're very tactile there's a there's almost an enjoyment to be had just in possessing them um, as an object in their own right mm. And I think that makes a difference for me. I mean, Cluedo is fairly, fairly simple, but it, but historically, you know, some of the games were pretty shoddily produced, and even some of those Avalon Hill ones, um, although they they were renowned mm. for good quality components in their day, some of them are, you know, look pretty, pretty flat by by modern examples. But yeah, size is expensive. I mean, there's a game called Gloomhaven, which is a famous uh, or very well known game in sort of board game circles. It costs a hundred and Thirty pounds or something, um, and terraforming Mars, which I think is another very large game, hugely expensive. But then a lot of the money goes into the uh, the components and the boards mm -hmm. and the cards and the mm. uh, you know the pieces mm. and everything, and that enhances the enjoyment. Yeah, the the time you get from a board game, if you know if the family embrace it, then you're successful there. Say compared to. And these days, um, as we've discussed before, say going to the cinema, going to a football match, actually a board game looks pretty good value, doesn't it, really? And, and what about these, um, have either of you played these collaborative games? like? Um... Oh, no, I was going to come on to that. It's going to be the mean where cooperative games, you know, mm, cooperative. Yeah. Yes, because they're, they're a bit of a revelation, aren't they? When you come to those and you're so used to the idea, I've got to win, I've got to beat my opponents. And crikey, I should kind of work together with them. Mm. That, that's what's gone wrong here. Clever stuff. Pan pandemic comes to mind. Yes, pandemic is definitely the one uh, that comes to mind, isn't it? And we've enjoyed that, very much enjoyed that as a family. Uh, luckily, every time we've played, we've managed to... It dawned on us, we've got to get on and kill this damn virus. Because <laughs> you, you, you don't have a lot of time, do you? You're, you are limited in the number of moves overall that you've got. And and somehow, what, what's been great is that our, our, the children have really got together and worked out. This is what you have to do, Mum and Dad. Just do, just follow our instructions, and they they they've great great game. That one. Yeah, I, I, I think the beauty of that as well is that you can ratchet up the difficulty level. So if you mm -hmm. if you get good at it, you can put it on expert level. And Forbidden Island is the same. You can put it on at different levels, which make it more or less difficult. But you also have the asymmetry in in pandemic. So you you, you your character has different um, different characteristics and, and mm, different mm, benefits. Mm. So you do different things. Yes. And, and, you know, yes. size is an, is another example where the, the the play is slightly asymmetric. It's not exactly the same for every player. You have different bonus actions or, or you know different um, beneficial attributes. Which sort of even out in the long run. But, but what, what's what's good though with the with the pandemic is that uh, it, it, depending on your mix, you've you've got a certain mix of skills and characteristics, and then the team have to work together to to okay integrate all of that to think what's the best. Okay, so you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do it, and you you get you get someone thinking smartly. And uh, often I kind of tune out, zone out and go, well, I'll just do what I'm told. Yeah. I'll just do what I'm told here. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because sometimes you can get a highly dominant person who sort of thinks they, well, they know everything. So it, they, they are, the one slight downside is that they are a bit prone to, to, to okay. a, that's a, a bit of point. control that's freakery. Interestingly, you know, what I was saying before about how the MOD apparently used to use diplomacy if only Her Majesty's government had whipped, you know, they get a cabinet meeting, a COBRA meeting back in October last year. They've whipped out a game of pandemic and spent a few hours. How better <laughs> equipped we'd have been. Oh, <laughs> well, yes, they did sure. it. Didn't they do yeah. it in 2016? They did, Apparently they did some sort of uh, simulation of 
Supposedly, yes, they had a whole bunch of scenarios. I think they, I think they put the results of the recycling well, bin, though, didn't they? They didn't. Use... That, that would have been a good game, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, you, what's next in your sack, then, Philip? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to look at the sack now. Oh, oh yes. Dixit. Now, Dixit. I've seen that. Now, tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. So this is this is Dixit. D i x i t. There is this. this, this very little mechanics to it it's but it's a lovely lovely game and it uh so that idea of the 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 um uh the artistry the production values are are great so in dixit it's all about the imagination and you get cards and here i've got i've got i've got an expansion pack here so let me open them up you, you get cards and each card they all look the same on one way but you've got you've got scenes scenes on the card sort of um like uh sort of children's children's stories fantasy cards i hear you you know look at those there's two people in an hourglass with the with the, the sand running through one person on the upper side one on the lower and and these you, you get these and these evoke well you're supposed to, you have a, you have a few of them in your hand and when it's your turn, you choose one of your cards and you come up with a word or a phrase to describe your card. And so you let your imagination go. Whatever is inspired, you just let it go and you come out with a phrase. But you've got to come up with a phrase that's not so obviously connected to your card that it leads to ambiguity. So the other people in the game also have their cards and they hear your your phrase or, or word and they look through their cards and they think hmm which card best fits in their which card in their hand best fits that word and then you all put your cards down and they're revealed and then each person has to try and identify the card they think the 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 that that, that, that round the player of the round had chosen and it's great and the idea, the ideal situation is that at least one of the players correctly identifies that it's your card, but the other players go for other cards. And that's that's the ideal. If everybody guesses it's your card, then you don't get any points. And if nobody think, identifies your card, then also that's no points. So it's an interesting one. You've got to come up with something that connects to your cards but lead some room for uncertainty and can also be a match to other cards. And that's what's delightful about it. And it's the fun of that imagination. Who knows what phrase or word you're going to come out with and who knows what cards other people will put down and you turn over and you think, that's quite fun. Oh, I can see exactly why you picked that one. Ah, ha, ha. And it's absolutely lovely, full of laughs, full of imagination and it's great. Yeah, there's a little bit of a competitive angle to it, uh, but uh, and some people have a wonderful knack at it, um, more so than others. But a great game with very simple, no complicated rules at all. So is that another post-Christmas lunch sort of a game then, Philip? Oh, that is definitely because uh, I say it's no, no complicated mechanics, no complicated rules. You just let your imagination go wild with it. Uh, it's lovely. You can really wallow in it. Uh, great fun, absolutely very, very easy with a nice, um, a nice chablis or even a bit of a. If you're into the whiskey and port by then, that would be great. Ah, oh, sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. I have to say, I do like the slightly heavier games, but I might, um, I might try Dixit. Might be, might be worth a, a little acquisition. You need, you need a group of people. You definitely need a group. Uh, it doesn't really work. It works with, I think it's up to six players, and that's that's. That's how it works best. Five or six is a, is good. It's a good uh, number okay. for that game because you need a bit of variety. You need a bit of variety. You know, if there, if there's someone's come up with it, you need to see a few cards down to actually make your pick. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a game now, which is probably the other end of the spectrum, and it's not super heavy, not like those old uh, war games, but um, it's reasonably heavy, and it's largely heavy because of the the strategy involved and the number of options that that you have and it is Agricola which is um, very well known um, but it's a game about farming which sounds really unpromising but the game is all about 
building up your farmyard and your farmhouse and having the most money at the end of the game. And you do this by improving your farmhouse, by fencing your fields, by growing crops in your fields, um, producing vegetables, producing additional family members, um, ha having animals graze in your fields and sending them off to the slaughterhouse and baking bread. And you have your own little farmyard which sort of develops over time. But you also have these cards um, which are beautifully illustrated. So things like this is a this is a card of the the pottery which gives you certain benefits. And you mm. can take you can go into the you can buy these cards. This is the joinery. The fireplace here allows you to um, take your animals and turn them into meat and you sell them for money. So there's various different um, actions that you can take uh, and things that you can do um, but the the illustrations are, are, are beautiful and in the in the slightly more complex version you then get occupations so the this one is the master brewer for instance and these give you various different actions and benefits as the cook is this one which might resonate with a lot of people this is the perpetual student <laughs> what does a perpetual student do? There's the serf, the lord of the manor, the storehouse keeper, the educator. There you go, that's relevant to you. The pig whisperer, mm. the shepherd boy, the stone breaker. There's about 150 of these different occupations, and all they all allow you to do different things and give you different benefits. But there's actually quite a lot of different things that you can do with your, with your people. And once you've got your family members and you set them to work in your farmyard, in your farmyard there's a lot of different actions but the actions can only be done once each round so if somebody else does the action that you'd plan to do and you can't do it you then have to come up with an alternative strategy so for instance if you wanted to build fences but somebody else has already built fences you can't then go and build your fence so what do you do with your wood you're going to have to build something else but then you've built something else which might leave, lead you into a, um, a different route um, mm. And it's basically a race to, um, to to build your farmhouse and grow your crops and uh, and your animals and generate money as as quickly as possible. And it's a, it's just a lovely it's a lovely game, but it's 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 relatively straightforward to pick up in terms of rules, but really deep in terms of strategy. So it's definitely not a post Christmas lunch game. But it's the sort of thing that you can play very easily with the family over an hour and a half or a couple of hours. Um, and you get these little wooden pieces and so it looks a bit like a f toy farmyard that you're actually building on your your own individual um, farmyard mm. player map. Could either of you recall that? That sounds excellent actually. I must have a... Why is it called Agricola by the way? Agricola does sound like agriculture doesn't it? Oh so the Latin well. for agriculture yeah. Oh. Yes. I, think, I, think, I think I think yeah 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 Cambridge Latin didn't really educate yeah. <laughs> But. It's it's a it reminds me of Fresco where it, you you sort of describe Fresco as a game of painting the underside of a, of a of a cathedral, and you think well how on earth could you make a game out of that? But it it just works. I think the beauty of a game is you know all the pieces, the artwork, the rules, the simplicity. And suddenly you think yeah actually this is it's great. Um, it it all sort of comes together, and actually you get you just get a, a huge amount of enjoyment out of out of playing these games. Agricola is quite competitive. How do you source your board games? Do you look on Amazon? Do you go into a shop? What what happens? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one, isn't it? How do you find how do you find the one mm. to buy for Christmas? That is a it's a it's a great. So yes, we must mention the two I put up were both um, I don't know were they both winners of the great prize. So, Andrew, you know about this prize. Fill, fill us in on the award, the Oscars of the games world. So the Kennerspiel der Jahr and the Spiel der Jahr. Yeah, these are German awards for family games and complex games. And they're held annually. I don't know how many there have been, maybe 30 or so wow. of these awards. Um, but the winner of the award, it's, 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 quite, a, it's quite a competitive process yeah. actually and the, but the, the winner of the awards gets a lot of publicity uh, yeah. a lot of extra sales um, and it's it's not an easy thing so you you're normally pretty much assured of a good game actually if if you yes. if you see that um, 
awards label on the box. We we, we use that as as quite a guide. We look up and and over the recent years and and see what's mentioned and what's described and mm. and they they have been reliable uh, guide to the quality of a game and an enjoyment of a game. Yeah, yeah. They do, they do have various categories, don't they? And there's the overall winner, and then. Uh, subcategories so why is it the board games are coming back do we think it's probably well it's 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 a very good question isn't it Uh, I I, have not myself got into video games Um, I I, I do it's something I'd I'd probably try later maybe but the the difficulty of, of computer games seems the learning the amount of learning you've got to do to play them seems to be quite high. You've got to actually invest a lot of time into them. Uh, and it's intriguing, actually. I, 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 our board games, we tend not to go for these big strategic games and we've got mm. Pandemic. We don't seem to have these other ones that, that take hours and hours. And it's interesting, Andrew, you're describing games that seem to take 24 hours or something like that, you know, a long, long time. And actually, that seemed to me, as soon as you were describing that, I think that, that sort of fits into some of these video games where you play for hours and hours working through the various plots and levels and so on um, but I, I think board games it, it, it is that in the room socialising isn't it yes it's but, a, it's, I think it's a recognition of the importance of doing that sort of having that face to face interaction rather mm. than doing something online maybe the video games market has has been partly responsible so the, the rise mm. in the popularity of the video games market has generated an interest in the physical equivalent and actually a lot of these games I mean, Scythe and Agricola you can play through Steam you can buy them I bought Scythe yep. for a few pounds yep. on Steam and I can play them remotely if Paul signed up for an account we could play that game <laughs> as a video mm. game um, but we mm. both happen to have the mm. box version uh, and I, I, I think I think Kickstarter and crowdfunding is also relevant um, and the, uh, you know, this is this is a channel that wasn't available before. And actually, a lot of games now are um, put onto a crowdfunding site, and people subscribe, right. and they will contribute money in return for a copy of the game. So, if you like it, then yes. um, you yes. subscribe, and hopefully they'll reach their target, and you get a copy, and then it might take off. And I think that sort of channel wasn't there before whereas you know you had to go to Waddington's or Parker Brothers or whoever the publisher might be mm, pitch mm. your game and they would have you know they'd be looking at the profit and the number of sales and looking at the potential reach um, and then looking looking at it very much as a business proposition so only a few would ever get through whereas now mm, you, you know mm, and then you've got mm. the internet and social media to talk about your game you've got websites which are solely dedicated to Mm. to board games you can sell them through Amazon um, so I think the yes, whole market yes. has just completely opened up yes yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a new board game if we were to re- you know, design one ourselves and it's called Academic um, the first challenge is finding the lecture theatre and if you find the lecture theatre then then it is stage two is student feedback and that's a, a big spinning it's kind of spinning arrow that at random lands lands on a spot that determines student feedback and if you get into real trouble you're sent to do marking i think there's, there's something something in this um and you can't win you just can't win you experience it oh, i i think that there's a game about trying to get a phd <laughs> in there and uh, you know and and, and uh, actually when i when i was doing my phd i did think there must be a game in this somewhere and and involve things like nicking your your fellow phd or nicking all the data, <laughs> you know, and stealing it. You know, that would be that would be the way. So all, all your field work has gone down the drain. Someone's just stolen it from you. Or so that like would that. be yeah, the equivalent yeah. of the go to jail landing yeah. on go to jail. The go to jail card in Monopoly is losing all your data. So that's a novel concept, Paul. A game that you cannot <laughs> win. I mean, that's, maybe that's the fallacy of most of these games: is that you do try to win. Maybe we should design a game. Where the purpose is not to win, but then I suppose I think by not winning, you're, you're, by, you're, you're well, winning. The reason this is in mind, yeah. I know a couple of family, family friends who's, who will not, they, they feel they cannot play a board game because they are so competitive amongst themselves that it would cause so much uh, disarmament. That is an interesting yeah. one, yeah. Which I, I find very sad. That's where you have uh, to try 
Yeah, that's where you have to try the uh, collaborative mm. games. I'll just say one subject that we've got a we've got one called uh, Shadows Over, Over Camelot, mm. which is about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and you have to collaborate to defeat the forces of evil. And it's, again, it's a beautifully illustrated game. But you, you like Pandemic and Forbidden Island, you collaborate to defeat the game system. So, um, that those would be perfect for, for you know for those situations. Well, you, again, you you did mention the domineering person, the domineering character. You have to be wary of that. But the other the other aspect, uh, I suppose, a shortcoming of a board game is you do need other players. Mm. You do need other willing players who are like in the mood. And there must be many, many times where someone says, anybody for a game? And you go, not really in the mood. That that does happen. So you do need some willing participants. Yeah, and some of these games you don't. I mean, I think that's the beauty of of the size. Yes, yes, good point. That they do actually have dedicated solo modes because game designers have woken up to the fact that not everybody has an opponent. So... You know, maybe That's a Camel Up or a Dixit are not ideal if you're on your no, own. No, but no. a lot of these other games actually are, uh, and you can you can play against the game system. And you have an objective, so it's not the same. You don't get the social interaction, obviously, but you can still get the vast majority of the enjoyment. And because the solo mode is built into the design, it works a lot better. Well, that's good because I I'm not familiar with those games and I'm not familiar with the solo games. I was going to I was going to explore that one tonight, and I think that that's really good. I'd like to hear a bit more about those games because I would uh, it would be it, it, something to solitaire, you know, the old card game. You could just play by yourself, can't you, and try and solve the puzzle. And uh, yeah, it's good when you've got a solo solo mode. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I've got a I've got a game called Ambush, which is a an Avalon Hill game from about 1983 or something and that is a specifically a solo game and you move your little pieces on the board you don't know where your opposition is <clears throat> every time you move into a new square or hex you you cross reference the coordinates on a little table and then you go oh. to the book to find out what will happen in different circumstances in that in that hex and you might stumble across a uh, an enemy machine gun nest, or it might be, um, you know, might might be completely innocent, or you might, you know, you, you know, something bad might happen, something good might happen. You just don't know. Um, and the, the the beauty is that you have that this you have the fog of war and the uncertainty, while still battling the game system, and it's 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 brilliantly produced. There are a few expansion modules, um, but a, a fantastic early sort of pure solitaire board game. So have either of you two played Catan or Carcassonne? Yes, Carcassonne, yes. I mean, you see them both in Waterstones mm. and I yes. possibly W.H. Yeah. Smith, and they sold copies by the bucket load, and they're sort of light... Oh, well done. Yeah, they're light examples of what we've been talking about. Um, yes, yes. But Catan is a, is, a, is a really, really good family game, and I think one of, one of the... One of the great things about it is that you do have that interaction, you do have the diplomacy because it's very difficult to win unless you trade the cards that you're mm-hmm. that you're dealt. So there's a little bit of luck in the resources that are produced, but you have to trade your resources with other people who want different resources, but they don't want you to get the resources that you need so you don't get the advantage. So there's a bit of diplomacy in there, quite a lot of strategy and quite a lot of uncertainty. But again, a lovely, a beautifully produced game with quite a strong, uh, strong theme, um, and also um, some, some pretty good expansion packs as well. So you never get bored of it. Interesting. I, I would say Carcassonne and Catan are probably the the board game brand leaders, aren't they? They're the, they're the games everybody would know. They are. They are very well known, aren't they? Yes, very well known. And Carcassonne, we've played a bit. I, I always feel I'm missing something. I, I've never quite got into it in a way I have some other games, and I, I don't really know why that is. Um, it's quite novel, isn't it, laying the tiles across the carpet or across the floor? That territory idea, isn't it? And uh... Yes. Well, it's about cities. It's about bu- building cities and um, joining up fields and, and roads. I mean, it's actually a very, very simple That's it, that's system. it, connecting things, isn't and it? And you, yes. you, you, yes. you deploy your people in... The places that think you think are going to generate you most points, but of course because you're all building up the the the, the, the board together, 
what your opponents do has a direct impact on what you do as well. It's a fairly, it's a very, very easy game. It's a bit like Ticket to Ride, and you know, there's not that many rules. You can pick it up mm, quite quickly, mm. and yeah. No, we must mention Ticket to Ride, mustn't we? Yeah, that's a good one. That's go going round the country, or I've got, I've got the Europe one, which uh, which is fun, and we do enjoy that. But th- so you're you're building these railway lines, or you're trying to connect different cities by railway, and you've got to. Uh, purchased the railways haven't you and, and then purchased the tunnels and, and so on you've got to collect enough cars to do this part of it should be that you interfere with the other players and you make it difficult for them to take the shortest route but I've always found we just focus on our own routes and try to build it as quickly as possible and don't don't try and then interfere with whoever uh, is going from somewhere to somewhere you don't, that, does, that doesn't really figure in the well, game. I think we, we, when we play, we sometimes you sometimes try to work out that they're connecting, I don't know, London to Istanbul. So you, you sort of fill in the Vienna to Munich stretch or whatever it might be, just as you hope that it then diverts them yeah, via Moscow, so they have to come all the way back down again. Uh, but it's quite hard to spot, because if you're... It is. And you may inadvertently help them become the longest strand, isn't it? So you have the, the, the you get a bonus, don't you, for whoever has the longest continuous uh, connecting mm. railway, and, and, and so you don't really want to send them on a detour because that actually might make them uh, grow their line and win make more points. So any other? Entry? I've got another one. Ah, oh, go ahead. Yes, I've got another entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this this one, uh, Azul. Azul. Now this 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 is a, this is a bizarre game because, as you can see from the cover, this this is a uh, you've got tiles, little tiles of different colours and 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 uh, well patterns, and you are trying to fill a grid of these tiles. And as you play the game, you you get a chance to. Get to get some tiles and add them to your grid, and you thought, how bizarre is that? Really, an interesting competitive game, but curiously, it is the mechanics of it, and you have to think through: what am I going to go for next? What sequence should I go for? How many do I need? And you do win points depending on your the way the pattern that you create in your in your grid. Uh, because there comes an end of the game and then you sort of add up all the all the different points when you've got vertical lines or horizontal lines or diagonals and so on and it's there's it's quite a lot of rules but no fancy play it's one player then another player then another player and then you count up at the end of each round you count up your points and move to the next round yes what what an interesting game an unexpected one as as all the advertising does say you wouldn't believe you could enjoy just picking up tiles and putting them on your grid but it's very enjoyable and you do, you do think when you play a game like that you think how did the person come up with that idea uh, 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 so you, you end up marvelling over the creation and the design of the game as well as actually just enjoying playing it that was another award winner, wasn't it, Azul? Didn't that win one of the big prizes a few years ago? I think it was. Yes, I mean, you can you can get a theme that go through our all my game collection. Uh, you know, we are we are influenced by the awards. <laughs> That's not necessarily a bad thing. So I've got a final one, which is another uh, it's another heavyish one, and it's this. Oh, Terra Mystica, mystical world. Yeah, so Terra Mystica is about transforming landscapes and the idea is that you have um, you you have a sort of a, a region which is divided into various different types of territory and the idea of the game is that you change the territory into a territory that supports your civilization and then you build structures and expand your civilization and you join various different bits together um, and there are 14 different factions that you can play uh, and you you get a little board like that which is beautifully illustrated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it gives you your um, all your starting pieces and your faction abilities um, and again there's lots of different things that you can do but again what other people do affects what you can do so you might mm-hmm. find that some of the actions are taken before you um, before you get there but it's a, it's a very visual game and it's a very 
clever game because just again the strategy is quite deep and you need to plan ahead in order to um, in order to be successful the the rule book is is just a work of art alongside most of the rest of the components but there's a sort of a bit of a sense of humor in the game as well and one of these one one of the factions the I always we, we we always smile about this the Oren, uh, they're mysterious forest dwelling people, but when threatened with or expecting relatives to visit, they blend in with the trees and become invisible. And I just thought, yes, <laughs> that sort of that sort of resonates with me a little bit. But it's again, it's 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 a heavy game. It's it's not cheap because the components and the artwork are, are beautiful, and there's a lot in the box. But it's a lovely game, a beautiful game to play, and actually really, really rewarding when you start gathering momentum and building up your civilization, getting the power that you need, uh, making progress on all of the various objectives that, that you're given. Um, and it's just a, a, a delicious, lovely game to, to play. Hmm. So do we have any more entries for this evening's conversation? I'm going to I'm going to put my last game in for the for the evening. So have you come across this one? No, this looks no. very nicely presented. Suro is Suro T S U R O. Yes, it's very nicely presented. It, it gives the impression of being an oldie worldy game, maybe from China, but I think it's a very mm. modern game. And it's a it's a board game, and you have you have cards which are tiles, and you 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 have a little thing that starts on the edge. And each each card has some lines. Let me let me show each each card um, has lines across it. So this this would be a card. You see, so <coughs> each side there's 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 uh, these two entry points each side, and the lines go across or around or so on. And you lay these out on the board in front of your piece. And every as you lay it out, your one card down, your piece then follows the line that it's on. And then you add another card and another card. And so the, the players go round and gradually your board, the whole board fills up with these cards. And when they connect together, you have to follow the line or wherever it takes you. And what you don't want to do is the lines to take your piece all the way off to the edge because then you're out. So it's uh, you have to, as you lay the cards, you've got to be thinking, hmm, what's the best way to lay this card? Which direction is going to take me? Where are these lines? How might they join up? What might happen to me? And as you get nearer the end, it's just it, it whittle, the, the players whittle, whittle down to the last two and who will be the final one to stay on the board. What's good about it? Really quick to play. A few minutes, 10 minutes, let's say a game. And you, as I discovered only some weeks ago, we had a family from Thailand here and you don't, it doesn't take a lot of explaining and any people who can't communicate in the same language can still play the game extremely effectively and enjoy it and laugh and have a good game and uh, so yeah it's a lovely it, it, it figures in these um these top hundreds when you go online and search for mm. top board games it's in there and it's one that uh, one of the children brought uh, they played it at school and uh, they mm -hmm. said we must get that and we do enjoy it. It's a, it's a good game. Don't, not a lot of thinking has to be involved, but quite a fun game to play. And mm -hmm. do, you, do you draw the tiles randomly, do you, or do you have your own stack? Or yes, you, you start. You have you have three in your hand, and as you play, you should remember to pick up one. If you lay one, you should remember to pick up one. But of course, it's got those rules that if the if the if the next player plays before you've picked up, then haha, tough luck. You're not allowed to pick up, and you're down to two. So you can make itself awkward for yourself because you do want a bit of choice as to as to because you get into a situation where you really need a card that's got certain kind of pattern on its lines and it gets harder if you forget and so yes the 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 dippy ones like myself forget to pick up and we've ended up with just one card in our hand and having to survive on that and it doesn't it's not a great it's not a great approach so there's an element like that no it sounds it sounds good i can see that you're more at the the quick and light end of mm. the market, Philip. I think we we need to bring you into deep and heavy just to see how you get on. <laughs> yes, yes. I well, I think that's what a great actually a really good observation I would say today is that what a rich uh, arena it is. All these different games there are there are games to suit all needs, and we've we've got a bit of overlap. 
But really, look at it. We've got different games. And I, I think that just goes to show how rich the scene is. Um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful aspect. So you, you fancy some strategy? There's plenty of that. Fancy something long? Something for the self? For, for, uh, by playing by it as a, a solo game? There's that, which actually I wasn't too aware of. So that's a, a revelation for me. That's good. But yeah, I think I think we've discussed. We we've shown, haven't we? We've shown there are a, there's a great variety of games out there, and we enjoy playing them. I, I don't know about you, but I probably don't play the games as much as maybe we could. Uh, but maybe if you play them too much, one gets bored of them. I don't know. What's your feeling about that? I think I think it's that's one of the. Uh... The key aspects of what makes a good game is replayability and a game which is the same over and over again I think soon wanes in its appeal but um, the, the best games that always slightly there's always a different reason you want to play again or it's a slightly different setup I mean some of the games that we've talked about tonight they have almost infinite variety in each game evolves separately but if every game is exactly the same I like Monopoly, for instance, I don't think has great replayability mm, mm, because mm. apart from slight variation of whether you land mm. on orange or blue or green or purple or whatever, it's basically mm. the same every single time. Mm. Whereas some of these other games, you have to evolve and they, they, you know, they, they, they are very different. They're different experiences, particularly with, dif with, with different people. Mm. So mm. Um, I think it just depends, you know, in terms of your question. I think it just depends. Some games you could play over and over and over again and, and just never get bored. Mm. So, gentlemen, my last question for you, if uh, knowing the pubs are open and if we were to go down the pub and invite one of our listeners to join us to play a board game with a couple of days for them to prepare, which game would it be? So I would, I would take Carcassonne just because if you're playing it in the pub, it's fairly straightforward you know it's just a bunch of tiles that you lay on the table so you can, provided you've got a table it's easy to pick up it doesn't take that long and philip philip what would yours be mm. i i think i think a good one a really good one i think dixit is would be a would be a very good game for that mm, sounds like it yeah each turn is a game in itself and you can then go and have a long chat about something else then come back and then say right whose turn is it right what are you going to do uh, so it is it, very very malleable in that sense, and also you really do look forward. If if you want if you want to tune out of the conversation that other people are having, you can then study your cards and you can think, mm, now what, what what word or phrase am I going to come up with? And then you can really look forward. You think you come up with something smart and clever, and you're looking forward to your turn. Uh, that's a good one. Then, then uh, annoyingly, someone else will before in their turn will come up with a will say a phrase, and you think, oh, "I wanted to save that card for myself, but it really fits this round." Damn it! I'll have to say goodbye to it. But I think it's a great one. A great one uh, uh, to mellow out with would be Dixit. Well, what about you, Paul? I think mine would probably be Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. It's very accessible. Not too difficult to learn. Um, reasonably competitive and a lot of fun a lot of fun but hey i think our conclusion would be what a rich seam of opportunity for the for the listeners if you're not a board game player then you really should be get down to your local game shop as soon as you can may everybody go and enjoy their games what a fascinating episode so hey thank you for listening everybody